Well, let's pray. I'm going to get in trouble. Father, we do uh, look forward tonight to what we're going to learn. And, and Lord, uh, just even thinking about things that are going on in the world that are great things, Lord, to get overshadowed by the garbage. And, and Lord, I thank you, God, that you're in control and, and Lord, that we can draw near to you. And when I think about those great things, I think about the greatest of all is this gift of salvation we have, this relationship we have with you. So Lord, I pray that as we just continue this study in Ephesians, that God, you would, you would minister to our hearts. You would draw us into that close relationship with you that I know you desire for us to have. And, and I believe most of us here on a, on a, in the middle of the week, we desire that relationship. So Lord, have your way tonight and guide and direct us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, as we continue here, I want to remind us, remember where Paul is at as he's writing this. Paul is in prison. And listen, not a prison like today. He's probably in some dungeon. It's probably messed up. And as he writes this, pay attention because we're going to be in the prison epistles for a while. He never complains, never asks. Like, if I was in prison, I would ask y'all to come and get me out is what I'd be asking for. And, and I'd want that to happen. But none of that. And here he is. You know, he's just, and, and the thing that blows my mind is he's encouraging them to walk with the Lord. And he's there kind of holding them up. So, so far he's talked about walking in unity. He's talked about walking in purity. And, and just, again, laying out for us what and, and what and who we should be as Christians and the way we should walk. Now, listen, now he kind of gets into some real nitty-gritty stuff. And we're going to slow down here a little bit in chapter 5, chapter 6, and really kind of, you know, examine this stuff. And hopefully it'll change us. Hopefully it'll, it'll work in our hearts and, and make us the men and women that he desires for us to be. So here, as he's talking about, he's going to, this main section here to me, is going to, we're going to get into some specifics, but he's talking about do we really pay attention and take care of the opportunities in front of us, the time we have? He's not talking about time as TikTok time, like, but he's talking about are you looking at those and are you redeeming it? Are you somebody who's doing it? 80, what is there, 86,000 seconds plus in every day that all of us have that we can function. But he's not talking so much that as he's talking about you and I need to make the most of the opportunity in front of us as believers. Listen, I'm convinced as believers in 2020 with everything that's going on, we have opportunities that I think often we overlook and we're not paying attention, we're not looking at it. And, you know, I think, I think you guys are kind of like me, you get disgruntled and you get upset and you see things going on and, and you kind of get in that, that funky mood and you're not looking. And here's what Paul's saying, pay attention, watch out. Take advantage of what's in front of you and make sure. So, so look at verse 15. He says, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. So listen, he's telling you and I, we need to be careful how we walk. We need to be people who are, you pay attention, you know, hey, if somebody shatters a glass on the floor, you're not gonna go traipsing through there barefoot, right? You're gonna be careful, you're gonna watch what you're doing. It always, I, I crack up when something breaks in our house, I go barefoot all the time. And Gaynell goes, you're not gonna wanna walk barefoot right here for a while. And I said, okay, you know, and then I just do it. But I don't go traipsing through things, but you walk carefully. Or if you live in some cities where they walk dogs and they're not paying attention, you walk circumspectly, right? And you pay attention to where your feet are going and you, and you look and you're careful and you, you pay attention. But what about spiritually? Are you really concerned where you're walking spiritually, how you're walking spiritually? Are we people who we really care or is Christianity just something we tacked on to our life and we added to this, this life of ours? And we, or are we serious about it? And here's what Paul's saying, man, be careful how you walk. And listen, this isn't, this isn't a suggestion. 
This is a command he's given us. As believers, we need to watch out and we need to be very careful, being alert of how we walk. And then he says, listen, not as fools, but wise. Fools rush in, right? Fools do crazy things. Wise people are sometimes, to me, way too slow. They're paying attention. They're looking at things. I, I would consider myself more of a foolish kind of person. I'm like going ahead, and then when I crash into something, I'm going, wow, guess I should have looked at that and paid attention to that. And, you know, we're, we're all built a little different, but spiritually, spiritually, I would hope that I'm careful about what I do, and I pay attention. So listen, as he says that, he comes up with this thing, and here's what he says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Making the most of opportunities. Do you look in front of you and, and are you somebody that you're, you're making the most of what God has put in front of you? Do you look at situations more as an opportunity to do something for, for the Lord or do you look at it as some kind of downer and bummer and why did this happen? I read a thing thinking about SpaceX. I read a thing about Elon Musk that's kind of interesting that somebody wrote. There was a problem years ago of how do you pay for things on the internet? And Elon Musk came up with PayPal and he developed PayPal. Then there was the problem of how do you make an electric car that can get long mileage and long range? Elon Musk came up with Tesla. How do you get to Mars? Elon Musk comes up with SpaceX. And then the, the bottom line thing says, Elon Musk never sees problems, all he sees are opportunities. How about us? When you walk through life, are you, are you looking at those things? Listen, I believe God brings things in our life and brings things our way for us to take advantage of and for us to understand there's an opportunity for me to do something in the Lord, glorify him, exalt his name. Even, how about this? Even rely on him to get us through that situation, right? To draw closer to him. So he says, do this, and then why do we do this? Because the days are evil. Now here's what I'm thinking. If they were evil in the first century, <laughs> I won't finish that. I mean, they're way evil now, right? But think about, listen, think about how he processes things. Paul's not gonna harp on how evil and how grotesque and how ugly, especially I think in Ephesus it was. Here's what he says, the days are evil, but you know what that means? We have greater opportunity. We talked about last time, when it's dark, you can shine brighter, and you can be brighter. You turn the light on in the dark, and the light is bright. So that's what he, so, so he begins here, listen, walk carefully. Now he's going to develop that, and here's here, in verse 17, he says, therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, I kind of like this because because he kind of pushes us in that direction of, hey, you know what? Be somebody that you are concerned about the will of the Lord. And we talked about that a lot in the fellowship, and if you're newer, we'll just kind of go over it. But I don't think, listen, I do not believe for a moment God's will for your life is that hidden secret that you gotta somehow unlock the treasure chest and find out what it is. I think it's in front of each one of us. And I think he makes it, I think, listen, I think it's clear. I just think a whole bunch of us really don't want to know about specific will. But how do I find out? Listen, some people will come to me. How do I find out what the Lord's will is for my life? And there's no special decoder ring. I got, you know, I got 12 or 15 books you can borrow to try and read. But I think it's this simple because I'm a simple guy. Remember, I'm from Bisbee. We don't like complication. Here's how simple it is. If you begin doing the revealed will of God in his word, you will find his specific will, particular will for you. And I think it's that simple. Listen to, listen, here's, a few, here's a few things. Psalm, in, in, in Psalm 1, it says, delight in the law of the Lord, and in his law he will meditate day and night. Or Psalm 19, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Or Psalm 119, how can a young man cleanse his way by 
taking heed according to your word. What are those telling us? Get in the word of God and you will find his general will. You begin to function in his general will. His specific will will become clear. I'm convinced of that. And again, I don't think God hides things. And then Romans 12, 1 and 2 also lays it out and tells us that we're to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And then what are we? We're to seek him. And listen, man, he's gonna reveal himself to us but you've got to put an effort in. Here's what, here's what I like about this section. This section calls for you and I to do something. I don't think we're supposed to just be kumquats for Christ. I don't think we're just supposed to sit around and, and you know, it's all gonna happen by osmosis. Way too many people, I believe, get in this frame, in this mode of, well, if I, you know, go to church enough, here's what's gonna happen. Going to church is good, Learning and being taught is good, but listen carefully. You gotta put some stuff into action. You gotta be feet to what you're learning, and you gotta start moving, and you gotta do that. And, and so Paul's saying, listen, don't be foolish, right? Don't be unwise, he says. That means fools. But he says, know what the will of the Lord is, and go for it. Here's what I found in my life. When you go for it, it's never a huge bummer. You don't like, listen, you don't go for it and then God goes, <laughs> I tricked you, I got you all the way out here. Now you're in trouble. And what I have found, even, if, even when, because of me, you get ahead of the Lord because of my patience and you get out there and you do something, I found that, you know, he doesn't look out there and go, oh, Pat, what am I gonna do with you? He goes, I'll fix it. Remember when Peter cut off that, that guy's ears, Malchus' his ear? Remember when he did that? What did the Lord do? He didn't go, oh, Peter, you are so disgusting. This is why I don't take you out in public. Every time we do something, you just go nuts. What did he do? He put the ear back. I, I always look at that and I think of Jesus going, oh, Peter, and he sticks his ear back on. You know, and he goes, you know, it's like, it's like a mom and their, their kid with their drawing, you know, and you put it on the fridge, it's Jesus. Oh, Peter, that was cute. But here, here's your ear, Malchus. And I think he does that in our lives. And he looks at us and goes, oh, it's so cute. But let me, let me kind of straighten you up. So here's the thing. If you don't get out there and make mistakes, you're probably not gonna grow a lot. And you're gonna be a person that you kinda, you kinda just stand still and don't go forward. Come on, man. Take some risks in your life. Do something. And, and I believe that's what Paul, and again, here he is sitting in a prison cell, and here's what he's saying. Go for it, man. You guys, and here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, he's thinking, man, if I was out there, but I'm not. So you guys go for it. And sometimes I look at younger people and I think, man, I want to live vicariously through you. I want you to get out and do something because you have the opportunity. You're young and go for it and, and get it taken care of. So, so listen, man, he directs us that way. Now things to me kind of change. So he says, listen, therefore do not be unwise, but it's the same in, in a sense, but understand what the will of the Lord is and do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation. Now, I'm gonna stop there in the middle of that verse and just, we're gonna, we're gonna kinda camp here for a little bit and talk about this because here's a command once again, telling us not to do something. And he tells us not to be drunk with wine. Again, that's a command. Now, 2020, Arizona. We might plug in there, don't get high with weed. It's a fact now, isn't it? Something we're dealing with and something that we need to understand as believers. What is he talking about? Is he just talking about wine? Does that mean I can drink beer and get drunk? Does that mean I can smoke weed and get high? What is he talking about? Here's what he's talking about. Do not be controlled by some substance. And I don't care what substance you put in there. He's saying do not let that substance control you. And here's an interesting thing. Most people, most people think alcohol is a stimulant, yet it's a depressant, which is kind of interesting, right? But anybody who's ever been inebriated knows this. 
you do really stupid things when you're drunk, right? You do things that you would never do, that you would never do in your right mind. It gives you kind of sometimes that sense of boldness, that sense of, and, and you do the, you do some bad things. So we need to understand he's commanding you and I, be careful, right? Walk circumspectly because the days are evil. And he says, hey, therefore don't be a fool, but be, be wise. Know what the Lord's will is. And do not be controlled by substances. Now, when you think about that, let's think about, let's think about how that can affect a life because here's what he says. He says, do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation or which kind of comes in and annihilates things. Uh, uh, someone says the, the, the uh, original word means to be abandoned or a, 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 a dissolute life. Something is messed up. And here's what I know from watching years and years and years and years of different people of using alcohol. It destroys lives. I come from a family of alcoholics. I've seen the destruction up close and personal firsthand. It destroys lives. Proverbs 20, you can read for homework. I'm gonna read a little bit out of Proverbs 23 because I think it is important. He says, who has woe, who has sorrow, who has contentions, who has complaints, who has wounds without cause, who has redness of eyes? Those are some interesting questions, aren't they? And then here's the answer. Those who linger long at the wine and those who go in search of mixed wine. And then you can go on. You can read the rest of Proverbs 30, 23 on your own. Here's what happens is you do that, and I, I think it's interesting what he brings up here. It brings woe in your life, it brings sorrow in your life, it brings contentions, it brings complaints, and it brings wounds, and you don't even know it. So he says, listen, man, you need to be careful. Now, I know, listen, I know people are sitting here today saying, well, is it okay to drink? Yeah, the Bible doesn't say you can't drink. It says don't get drunk. So let's kind of follow that for a little bit. Now, John MacArthur had, a, had an entire chapter on the first part of this verse. Kind of drove me crazy. John MacArthur is convinced that biblical wine and wine of today are not the same. And he goes on and on and on and on, and I'm just thinking, stop it. And he's trying to, I think, he, I, listen, I think he's trying to convince us of something that's not necessarily true. I think biblical wine was biblical wine. Oh, no, you don't understand. It wasn't fermented as long. It didn't do this. It didn't do that. Well, then how come, how come there's things that say don't get drunk with wine? So, after reading that, I went, oh, I'm so tired. And then he goes on a, on a whole rampage on things that we'll talk about in a minute. So don't be drunk with wine. Tells us not to, not to get inebriated, not to get controlled by a substance. Now, I have friends that tell me that I'm too strong. In our ministry, if you're gonna be on staff or a leader, we ask you not to drink. And it's kind of funny because some people get all bowed up. And someone told me once, so Jesus couldn't be on your staff? I go, just stop. <laughs> I go, why, why do we do that? I go, why do you go there? And this person, because this person wanted to drink, and it's fine. Here's what I'm saying. I'm not saying you can't drink. I'm not even saying you can't be a Christian and drink. I'm saying you can't be on staff and drink. That's all I'm saying. Now, why, why would I take a stance like that? Because I think it's more than just getting drunk in situations, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But here's what I know. Right here, he gives us a command not to be drunk with wine. I will never be drunk with wine. Because you know why? Because I'm not going to drink. If I don't drink, I'm not gonna get drunk. Now, I know some people go, culturally, it's accepted in this place, in that place. I was in France once, and with Mike Dante and we did the pottery presentation with another church and that other church was having a potluck and this guy brought his favorite bottle of wine, which I think is fine, that's fine, until he brought me a glass. And then the lady who was interpreting for me said this, you have to take it. 
or you're gonna offend him. This was his favorite bottle. And I'm going, man. So I took the glass and I'm kind of debating. Thank you. (laughs) And and I'm looking at this glass of wine and I'm like, and she goes, just put it to your lips. He won't even know if you drink it or not. And then just go set it down someplace. You know, and, and so, but here's the kicker. Then he offered her some. She goes, no, thank you. I don't drink. <laughs> so I understand. Listen, I understand. And I'm not trying to say those people were, were wrong culturally. I understand in some cultures and, and some aspects. And I understand even for some people. But I think as a, as a general rule, we're so much safer. Listen carefully. We're so much safer not drinking. Because if we don't drink, then we know. And in our generation, who would have ever thought that pot would be legal? Or how about this one? Move to Oregon. Now in Oregon, you can do any drugs, and it's a misdemeanor. So, hey, we live in evil days. I mean, come on. So how do you deal with that as a pastor? How do you tell people? Here's what I know, I, and I know, listen, and I believe it's sincere. I believe there are people who are raised in a culture who do things, who have wine with dinner, and I understand that. For them, it's, you know, it's something they do, and there's a taste issue in it, et cetera. I get that. But you don't smoke pot for the taste. <laughs> Sorry. You know, you don't just tell me, oh, man, it tastes so good. You smoke pot for one reason, to get high. So we've got to be careful. Again, what is he saying here? He's talking about being controlled. And he says, we don't do that, and, and we make sure. So here's some questions. You can write these down. I'll kind of go through them slowly. But here's what I want you to ask yourself in lieu of alcohol and how you're going to treat alcohol in your life. Now, number one, here's what I think you should ask yourself. Is it necessary? This is something that's necessary. And you can answer that and you can say that. Number two, is it the best choice for my life? Is it the best choice even in this situation? Number three, could it be destructive? Now, not just destructive in your life, how about destructive in somebody else's life? We were in Israel one time and our group at that time wanted the freedom to drink and they thought it was fine and I don't, I don't police people, you know, I'm not the Gestapo, they can do what they want. And there were quite a few people having wine with dinner and having a glass of wine before dinner and there was somebody on that trip that I knew, they had an issue with alcohol. I knew that. And I watched the people who were having their wine and they're having a good time and they weren't, they weren't getting inebriated, they weren't getting high or anything, it was fine. But I kept thinking, why are you doing that in front of this person? And by the end of the trip, I watched that person, and the people got up, and one of them left a little bit of wine in their glass. That person went and took a drink. We came back, and that person started drinking again. Destroyed their marriage, destroyed her relationship with her son. So here's the question. Is it destructive? Not just in my life, but somebody else's life. I think we should ask ourselves that. And then, and then uh, next, will it offend other Christians? Not in, offend, not in the idea that, you know, I don't care, but will you, will you stumble them? Will you do something in their lives that, that, you know, what I just talked about? And will it harm my Christian testimony? Those are things I think we should ask ourselves and be honest and open about it. And, and hey, then it's up to us. I remember when I made the decision, I drank as a Christian for quite a while. And I remember when I made the decision to quit drinking. Uh, we were in Mexico on a mission trip and we'd finished all of our missionary work. We were coming back. We, we stopped at, at the beach in Mazatlan and kind of had a, a two-day reprieve, and oh, it was nice. And so we went to the beach, and this couple we were with came out, and they brought a bottle of wine. They go, man, we can just, and I go, I decided to quit drinking. And here's what they said. Don't tell us what to do. And I go, I didn't tell you what to do. I told you I decided I'm not going to do that anymore. Why are, you con- why, are you, why are you condemning us? 
I'm not condemning you. You can do what you want. I've decided not to do that anymore. I don't think it's right. And I'm going, why are you so uptight? And again, we need to decide on ourselves. And I, I, Listen, I, I hope you hear my heart. We don't need to poke at other people. We don't need to pick on people. You don't need to tell people, here's what you need to do, here's what you don't need to do. But as believers, and especially, I think, in America, another time when I was in France, this stuff happens in France. <laughs> we were at a family retreat. Now, this is kind of weird, right? If we had a family retreat where we went someplace as families and we all gathered to eat, would you guys be pulling out bottles of wine to put on the table? Probably not, right? In France, you would. But I remember we're sitting there, and Gaynelle and I were sitting with all these French people, and, and they're having this wine, and this guy had the bottle, and he started to hand it to me, and he goes, oh, never mind, you Americans don't know how to drink, and he handed it to other people. So maybe, maybe it's us, you know, us Americans, we blow it too much. But listen, I do think, I do think we need to, and, and sometimes here's what I hear people say, well, it's culturally acceptable, so I have to do it. No, you don't. I, you know, once again, you gotta ask yourself those questions. So, he says, listen now, listen to the comparison. All of that to get to the second part of the verse. Sorry. Someone told me I rant about that too much. Did I rant too much? It's okay. I don't care. <laughs> you know, you can choose. So, listen, do not be drunk with wine or high with weed. I have to put that in there now which is dissipation, or if you're in Oregon with meth, heroin, or cocaine. Who would have ever thought, right? I mean, it's just like, it's just really but so sorry. Who would have thought in our world that, they, no. Now you're I know, I know, I'm sorry. So do not, okay, let's get, let's get in word. Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Now listen carefully. Paul is not comparing being filled with the Spirit to being drunk. That's not the comparison. Too many people do that. And you have some people, you have whole movements that start with, well, when you get filled with the Spirit, you lose control and you start going wild. That's, uh, when I see that, it just drives me crazy for a couple reasons, we'll talk about it in a moment. But here's what he's saying. He's comparing do not be controlled with a substance, but be controlled by the Spirit. Now does that make more sense? And let the Spirit control you. Now listen, here, here again, this is a command, it's imperative. It's in that mood, it's a command. Here's what he's saying. I command you not to be drunk with wine, and I command you to be filled with the Spirit, right? And I think that's interesting because he commands us, yet it's in such a voice, for those of you who know grammar, it's in such a voice that it's passive that you have nothing to do with it, but you kinda do. You either are gonna yield or you're not gonna yield. Listen, I don't think you can sit and, you know, hum or whatever or people do whatever they do to you to be filled with the Spirit, but I think you can hinder the Spirit working in your life and, and taking control. Now, another thing, it's written in such a way that it's be continually filled. I, I don't think there's a filling and you're done, right? And I love, Billy Graham said this. Someone said, why is it continual? And Billy Graham said, because I leak, that's why. And so you need to be filled again. And so kind of keep that in mind. But here's the thing, some people get so fearful of this. Now I do have to commend John MacArthur because he doesn't like the whole idea of a, of a second work of the Spirit and different things and he gets all freaked out. On this, he was pretty adamant. This is a different work than when we are saved, the Spirit comes and dwells in us. And that's when we're baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ, the real baptism. The water baptism we do, that's the shadow, as we've been talking about in Hebrews. That's the shadow of what really happened when the Spirit baptized us in the body of Christ and we are indwelt with the Spirit of God. Yes, that's true. And that's a fact, but... There's a work of the Spirit subsequent to that or sometimes simultaneous, depending on, on just what happens in your life. But there's another work that he does that you're filled with that he empowers you to do the work of the ministry that he's given you. Now, here's what I believe with all my heart. 
you can serve and do things and not be filled with the Spirit, but you're doing them in your own strength. And here's what happens. You burn out. You get tired. You want to quit. Now listen, I'm not saying people filled with the Spirit never get tired, but you know what I mean? I mean, nothing bothers me more, and I may step on some toes. Nothing bothers me more than when I hear a pastor say, I have to take a sabbatical. Here's what I'm thinking. Did Paul take a sabbatical? I don't think so. And he had it a lot tougher than us. And you read of all the great saints, listen, man, when I hear them say they have to take a sabbatical, here's what I believe. They've been serving in their own strength for way too long. I've been serving the Lord almost 30 years now, teaching the word and being over a ministry. And I'm not ready for a sabbatical yet. And young people wanting to take over the church, I'm not ready to retire yet either. So just, just so you know. So some of, the young, some of our young guys are going, dude, when are you going to step aside? So listen, they're joking. It's something that happened at a conference. But anyway, so, so listen, man. Be filled when you're filled with the Spirit. Listen carefully. He's doing the work through you. And it is, in a sense, comparable to being drunk because you're controlled by the Spirit. You're yielding yourself to him. You're allowing him to work in a certain way. And I think it's, listen, I think it's really important that we understand that. Let me read a couple quotes because some, some other people said it better, way better than I can. The uh, expositor Bible commentary said it this way. What does Paul intend by saying this? Perhaps it is this. As excessive wine directs a person's contact or conduct to be debauched behavior, so the divine spirit can direct us to the godly conduct that fulfills God's will. In effect, Paul urges his readers to allow God's spirit to continually, or uh, God's spirit continually to direct their behavior. This is the path of wise living. I like that. Or David Jeremiah says it this way. When people drink alcohol, it gets into their system and begins to control them in a negative way. But when people take in the Spirit of God, he gets into their system and begins to instruct them in ways that lead them to a positive outcome. So think about what he's saying. And again, once, once again, he uses a plural, meaning we're all, listen, being filled with the Spirit's not just for special people. That always bothered me with the Pentecostal or charismatic movement is you had to be special. And the decoder was that you had to speak in tongues. I remember one time my wife was locked in a VW Volkswagen bug, old one, with a crazy lady that was deciding she was gonna speak in tongues and she grabbed a hold of Gaynell's tongue and wiggled it for her to get her started, kind of a jump start, sorry. Some people do that and here's the thing, man, here's the thing, then they make it the haves and the have nots. I don't like that in Christianity. Yeah, I grew up in a religion where you had the priest in all of his garb and then the others. Hey, we're all in this together, and we're all equal, and he says all of us, listen, all of us, we're to be filled with the Spirit, not just one or two of us, not just a couple of us. We're to be filled with the Spirit, and then the second thing is he's saying it happens continually. It's not like, oh, that happened to me one time. I think there might be an initial if you want to say that, but then you're filled. you got to be filled over because we do leak and we, we do mess up. So kind of keep that in mind and as we go through this. So there's that part. Now, now it gets to me to some interesting stuff here. Listen to what he says. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, listen, now he gets into something that I think, you know, I think, I think if you're like me too, you read the first part of that, you kind of get into it, and then, then I kind of get stuck on the alcohol and the filled with the spirit part. And then, and then sometimes, I gotta be honest, I read this part and I just, and go right over it. Do you hear what he just said? Here's, here's the thing that blows my mind. Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, 
and spiritual songs. He doesn't say singing to one another. Praise God, huh? I'm just saying, man, if I sang to you, you would be upset, right? But in another way, he is telling us to sing to each other. And here's what I find the value of what he's saying and what he's doing here. We need each other. And listen to my heart. We need each other together, not each other through a tube. Sorry if you're watching online and you get offended. You can't sing to me, I can't sing to you. We need to be here together. Listen, I believe, I believe Satan is trying to rip off the church right now and too many people are listening about not gathering together and we've bought into this thing, well, we are gathering together because we're on the internet. That's not gathering together. That's how can we sing to one another? And listen, man, Paul's heart, think about Paul. He's locked in prison. He can't sing with them. And here's he's telling them, listen, you guys, what did he say? Make most of the opportunity in front of you right now, today. We can gather together. We can sing to one another. We can sing. And then I'm not going to break all of this down to, you know, what is a hymn? What is a psalm? What is a spiritual song? You know, it's like, again, you know, John MacArthur. John MacArthur hates contemporary Christian music. And he just ranted on it for another chapter. <laughs> like he drives me crazy sometimes. And I respect him. I think John MacArthur's a great Bible teacher. But man, he gets on these rants and it's like, seriously, dude? And then I'll just tell you, because it's, I got a rant. He's like doing this whole thing about how bad it is and we're letting the culture, you know, direct us and do things. And then he holds up Martin Luther for what Martin Luther did. What did Martin Luther do in his day? He used contemporary music. <gasps> now listen, for us, it's like old music, right? But for Martin Luther's generation, it was contemporary music. They were coming out of a different form of music, moving into that form of music, and it was contemporary. And I'm thinking, <laughs> like, why do you get so uptight? Why do you rant about certain things? Listen, if you don't like contemporary music, that's fine. You can say, my preference is not to hear contemporary music but don't tell me it's of the devil. And don't start ranting on it. And don't start going off where you shouldn't be going off. And again, this is no place where you know he says hymns. Seriously, dude. Like I talked to John MacArthur. I go, seriously, you think he's talking about the hymns you're singing? They didn't have them back then. They didn't come for about, uh, you know, 1,400 years, so that's not what he's talking about. And then here's what I have to, now, back, back to the Bible. Hymns. You, do you read that? Here, listen, I gotta be honest. I read that and I go, why did he say hymns? Because again, when I think of hymns, I think of the hymn book, you know, and you go to churches and, you know, people have the hymn books and, and, and you have to sing in those and you have to know what the little flags and the little balls are and all of that stuff and you're supposed to figure that out. And listen, man, here's what he said. He's not talking, he's not talking about those hymns What's he talking about? What were the hymns of the day? Now, I understand what the psalms were. They were singing psalms to each other. But what were the hymns? Some people say they were parts of Colossians. Colossians hasn't been written yet before he wrote this. I'm thinking, where do you come up with that stuff? So I don't know what he was talking about. But I know he was not talking about the hymns from the 1400s or the 1500s or the 1600s or the 1800s or the 1900s. And then spiritual songs. What are spiritual songs? And then, the, you know, the contemporary guys jump on that. Well, he's talking about our music. He's not talking about our music because we weren't singing our music yet. So here's what, here's what he's saying. You and I need to come together face to face and encourage with singing. Now, listen to what he says. He says speaking, but listen at the end of this, making melody in your heart to the Lord. Oh. Oh. You know what I think he's talking about? I think he's talking about real worship. Worship has to come from the heart. It doesn't matter if you can't carry a tune. Trust me. 
What matters is your heart. You know, you could be the best singer in the world and your heart be messed up and you've done nothing. Or you could be me, the worst singer in the world, and your heart's into it and it means everything. I tell people, sometimes I have to tell my wife because she nudges me when I sing too loud. It's like she nudges me and I go, nobody's in front of us, it doesn't matter. And she goes, Rob's right there. I go, he has things in his ear. It doesn't matter. He can't hear. And she gets on, you're singing too loud. And I tell her, I'm not singing to you anyway. I'm singing to Jesus. So listen, it's the heart, right? It's our heart. How are you praising and worshiping him? And in that, how are we doing that to each other? I need the body of Christ to worship because I sing horribly. And I need to be surrounded with better voices. So here's what I think, man. When we're worshiping, I hear everybody else and I think, man, I'm good. And I'm doing that well. That's how, that's how I feel. And we need each other. And we need to do that for each other so that we're built up and then check this out. Let's go backwards so that we don't get drunk with wine and we are filled with the Spirit, so we're not foolish, but we are wise and we're walking carefully. You see, if we have each other encouraging, I don't think there's anything more encouraging than coming together and gathering together, lifting up our hearts in worship and music, lifting up our hearts in the Word and getting in the Word. Oh, it's getting late, so. <laughs> Here, let's go, let's keep going. Look at verse 20, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow, wow. Do you give thanks always for all things? Now, listen carefully. He's not telling you and I, if we get run over with a truck, to say, oh, God, thank you for that truck that just ran over me. It's not that. Don't be foolish. Don't be foolish. But can't we thank God in the midst of that circumstance for him being God and him being involved in our lives? And that's what he, he's not telling us to thank God for evil things. Paul tells us in Romans that God works all things together for good for those who love him. And he's doing that in our world and we need to understand, I think he does that globally. I think he does that nationally. I think he does it with each state. I think he does it with each city and I think he does it with each fellowship and then each individual. But we need to trust him and we need to believe and we need to give him thanks. Listen, here's what I find. If I'm thanking God, I'm not complaining and whining and bickering and angry. I'm thanking God, and I'm giving him thanks, and that's something, man, we need to get in our hearts. And he says, listen, give it to the, uh, the God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then comes verse 21 that a lot of people want to stick down with, verse uh, 22, submitting to one another in the fear of God. It always bothers me when people go, well, you can't read verse 22 and 23 without reading verse 21. Well, there's some logic to that, but listen carefully, verse 21 is part of a sentence that was started way ago, so not even doing chapters and verses. Verse 21 was part of the sentence that says, do not be drunk with wine. And it was one long sentence that goes down to verse 21. So listen, obviously it belongs in the context it's in. Is it a transitional statement? Maybe. But here's what I think Paul is getting at. What has he told us? Don't be controlled by a substance, but be controlled by the Holy Spirit, giving thanks. Listen, giving thanks to God for all things and to God the Father. And, and then he tells us this. Submit to one another. Now, here's what this is not saying, and I'm gonna make some people mad. This is not saying that we all are to submit in the sense of, of everybody has to submit to everybody else. If everybody submitted to everybody else, you know what you would have? Chaos. And some of you are going, I don't like where this is going. It's okay. That's not what he, that does, you can't function that way. And he's using a term that's a military term. Here's what I know from being in the military when I got drafted. And I was a person who I didn't volunteer, right? I got told to be there. I, you know, got drug in. But here's what I know. Once I got drug in, here's what they told me. You're no longer an individual. 
You're part of a unit. And in this unit, here's how you function. It took them eh, 16, 18 weeks to get that across. That's what basic training is. You quit functioning as an individual, you come out of basic training, you function as a soldier. And you're ready now to function within a unit and you're part of that unit. And in that unit, trust me, my drill sergeants did not submit to me. I wanted them to, especially one that was a dork, but I submitted to them because I was part of the team. Do you hear what he's saying? Are you part of the team? Are you playing as a team player? Are you willing to do those things? Or do you get all bowed up, man, when you hear that whole thing, submission, and we'll get into way into this later, but man, you get all bowed up and some people get like, I don't like that word, I don't care. It's in the Bible. And you and I need to deal with it. And here's the thing, man. Our rebellious nature says, I'm not gonna change. You're wrong. You need to chill out. You need to take a chill pill. Because here's what you need to hear. Number one, he's not saying you're less than. When he talks about submission, it doesn't mean you're less than somebody else. It means you're different then. You're not the same. Jesus submitted to the Father. Is Jesus God? Yeah. Is the Father God? Is the Father God greater than the Jesus God? Good. A bunch of you went, no. I was afraid somebody's going to go. No. Listen carefully. Submission means, listen, submission means you're willing to defer to somebody else. And you willingly do that. And when he says submit to one another, here's what I think he's talking about. Within the world we live in, you and I are to submit to our government. That's what the Bible says. Submit, therefore, one to another. We're to submit to our government. Within the family unit, the husband is to lead the home and be submitted to. It's okay. Within the church, the leadership is to be submitted to. That's what he's meaning by submit to one another. He's not telling all of us we just go around submitting to one another. Now listen, I understand tyranny can happen. I understand all of that and we'll develop that a little later. But I want us to know he's speaking in terms that they, gen they understood and they got a hold of. And here's something interesting, man. When you have a breakdown in authority, you have a mess. I was gonna say something, I won't say it. Thank you, Lord. Something <laughs> popped in my head, it was not good. So you have a breakdown, listen, and that's, that's what you and I need to understand. You cannot, you cannot have a free-for-all. It doesn't work. And so when he's saying this again, I want us to understand, he's not saying that, because I hear people say that all the time. Well, you know, 21 says that we're all to submit to each other. Therefore, the wives, it's not that big of a deal what we're gonna read in 23 or 20, yeah, 22. And listen, you can't, don't connect those two and kind of call, time out. He didn't really mean it. And we'll talk about that more next week. So you and I, here's the thing. Are you a team player? Only you can answer that. Now, I have some questions for you. I never do this, but I came across these. This is, this is, I ripped this off from Chuck Swindoll. I ripped off a lot of people today. Here's the thing, from one to 10, grade yourself. Are you careful and wise in your behavior? One to 10. Are you disciplined and discerning in the way you spend your time? One to 10. Are you actively and correctly pursuing the Father's will, one to 10? Are you living under the influence and control of the Holy Spirit? And then my favorite one. Are you deliberately and frequently finding ways to honor and serve others? Oh, hmm. Those are some good questions, aren't they? Think about that in your life. Grade yourself. I'm not going to grade you. Spouses don't grade each other. I don't like it when spouses do that. Honey, you got a two and a half. <laughs> I got it nine. <laughs> don't do that. No fair. 
Work on yourself, right? But listen to what he's saying. Now, the title of mine in this section says, Walk in Wisdom. That's a good title. Are you going to do it or not? Again, we have great opportunities in front of us. We live in, I, again, I think we live in one of the greatest times ever. Some of you may not think so. You don't like what's going on. You don't like what's happening. Look at the opportunities. Don't look at the problems. Don't look at the obstacles. Look at the opportunities and grab a man and go for it. Let's stand up and pray. Father, we do thank you again for your word and just this challenge that we have here tonight. And God, I thank you that even as we look at this and, and Lord, as we, as we kind of unpacked it a little bit, maybe got carried away on some parts, but God, here's what I know. You're concerned about our lives. And Lord, I know, I know your heart for us as believers, every believer standing here, is that we would walk in wisdom, that we would be men and women who take advantage of what's in front of us. Oh God, help us to stop being complainers and whiners and, and angry people, but let us be men and women who are careful about the way we walk and that we would honor you and glorify you and Lord, we would be controlled by your spirit. And I'm gonna ask you to stay in an attitude of prayer for a couple more moments. And you know what? If you are here tonight and you've never, you've never asked Jesus to forgive your sins, you've never asked him to come into your life, tonight's the night to do it. And I just wanna encourage you. The Bible says you can call on his name. And by that, here's what, here's what we mean, is that you just come clean to God. That's the way I like to say it. You come to him, you admit to him that you know that you're a sinner, it's important, listen, it's important for you to come to that place. And then you let God know that tonight you came to the place where now you're sorry for your sin. And you ask him to forgive you. And the good news, the great news is Jesus Christ died on the cross so that your sins can be forgiven. We sing it in the song. His, his death is your victory. That cross is, is your victory and you need to know that. You need to stand on that. And so if that's the cry of your heart tonight, I'm gonna say a prayer and listen, just say this prayer with me. You can say it out loud or you can say it silently. I always like to say this, volume doesn't matter. What matters is a sincere heart. So say this prayer with me. If you're backslidden, you can say this prayer with us. If you're watching online, you say this prayer with us. Jesus, tonight, I confess to you that I am a sinner. I'm sorry, God, that I sinned against you. And right now I'm asking you to forgive me. Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. Thank you tonight for your forgiveness. And now I want you to come into my heart and change me. And Jesus, I want you to come into my life and guide me. I'm asking you tonight to be my Lord and my Savior.